you love the Dastardly Decimal System and want more? Our Patreon is the best way to get that. Members will get access to show notes, official artwork, our new bonus episode series called Cleaning Up After Tea Time, and of course, plenty of cat pics of Vega voice actors, Vash and Zid. This can all be found at patreon.com slash dastardlydecimalsystem. Evil is a dark and scary force in the world, but it pales in comparison to madness. Evil, despite its lack of morals, often still abides by logic. Madness, on the other hand, operates without logic and without remorse. It will strike without reason and leave only destruction in its wake. Welcome, humble adventurers, to my realm of knowledge and mystery. Here, in my cursed library, are endless tomes and scrolls, on the darkest and evilest foes in all of the realms, be they from Dungeons and Dragons, Pathfinder, the many worlds of darkness, or any realm in between. Welcome to the Dastardly Decimal System. I am your caretaker of the corrupt, the librarian, Caster Kane. I have just finished compiling the notes, journals, and police reports that span over 50 years. Together, they tell the story of a horrific serial killer whose tyranny and violence continued even past his death. I don't think sleep will come easy for me this night, so I have brewed some chamomile tea to aid in that endeavor. Shall I pour you some as well? Because on this night, we talk about the Splatterman. In the world of Golarion, in the city of Caliphas, lies the famous Quarterfo Archives. For those who are unfamiliar, this is an academy for young nobles, a study for powerful spellcasters, and the home to the royal collection of artifacts and documents. Within its sturdy vaults are relics, curios, and tomes numbering in the hundreds of thousands, many of which are highly dangerous. Employed at the archives was a highly intelligent wizard named Heen Perriman, a professor with a pinch of fame to his name. He toiled away in the field of anthroponomy, the study of names. In my own studies, I have learned that names are powerful things. In the world of magic and power, a true name could be used to summon anything from a devil to an archon, and then could be used to control it. Deep within the Quarterfo archives lay thousands upon thousands of names, and within its most secure areas were the most dangerous of them. Professor Ferriman spent countless hours in the very depths of the Quarterfo archives. During one of his studies, the wizard accidentally summoned a succubus. This seductive fiend excelled at corruption and viewed Ferriman as a prime target. She opened his eyes to vast and dark knowledge, showing him words of powers and names of some of the darkest creatures. The problem with opening a dark tome and studying its contents is that the reader tiptoes along a rickety bridge that hangs precariously over the darkness. One wrong step, and the reader falls into the darkness and is consumed by its corruption. Professor Fairman was a man eager for knowledge, 
but not for caution. He fell off the bridge and nosedived directly into the darkness. Thus began the career of the Splatterman. Heen Fairman sought to strengthen the magic behind a name and study how it evaporated at the point of death. He was obsessed with the power a name held, even in the mundane world. If someone mentions the name of your childhood bully, anxiety will start to build. If you hear the name of a crush, your heart starts to beat ever more swiftly. And if someone mentions the name of a lost loved one, well, sorrow begins. Fairman explored this phenomenon and began to combine it with magic. His goal was to learn how to terrify and control the masses using this very effect. Soon enough, his research was discovered, his reputation was ruined, and he'd lost his tenure. He fell further into madness as he developed an uncontrollable obsession with the theory of a person's name and what happens to that name when the person dies. I've tried to decipher some of his insanity-filled notes, and I surmise that Fairman believed that great power couldn't simply vanish. It had to go somewhere. So if he heightened the emotion around the name, it would heighten the power behind it. And when that person died, he could consume its vast power for himself. Every few days, he would secretly arrange for his victim to find a letter from their name written in blood, perhaps smeared on a wall or spelled out with carefully arranged entrails. Once he had spelled his victim's name in its entirety, he would at last come for them, killing them in a gory mess using a complex trap or a series of rigged events that made the death look like an accident. The city feared the reign of the Splatterman. He would strike anywhere and kill anyone, but not without spelling their name first. This meant that the name suddenly caused emotion and power not just in one person, but from an entire city. Reports say his campaign of murder and fear lasted months, with guards and adjudicators scrambling to figure out his identity. But with each kill, the guards were left clueless and the succubus corrupted him further. She would continue whispering madness into his ears and gleefully watched as he further descended into darkness. Journals from the accompanying guards spoke of how when Fairman was arrested, he was shipped to Harrowstone Prison. They speak of how he wailed when his spellbook was taken from him, but they never speak of how he was discovered or arrested. In fact, I could find no reports from his actual arrest. Perhaps they were burned in the infamous Caliphas fire. It is likely that he was eventually bested by an agent of law, as fractured as he was. A ying to the professor's dark yang as is often the way in these cases. Perhaps it was a paladin who tiptoed across the same rickety bridge, but with a far more cautious step. Needless to say, Fairman was stopped, he was arrested, and he was shipped to Harrowstone Prison, as Splatterman's reign on Caliphas had ended.
Ravengrow is a city whose claim to fame is its prison, the Harrowstone Prison. It is a building so secure that the town would collect the worst prisoners from the surrounding villages and store them there. The Splatterman was stored inside a cell block known as the Nevermore. He was imprisoned alongside notorious criminals such as the Lopper, the Mosswater Marauder, the Piper of Ilmarsh, and Father Charlatan. The keeper of this prison was Warden Livar Hawkran, a man of duty, honor, and held his oath above all else. Nothing was more important to him than this job, save for one thing, supper with his wife. He never missed that. Now the true sign of intellect, in my mind, is what a person does with time. Give a genius an hour, they're good. Give them a week, they're great. Give them six months, they become unbeatable. When given enough time, they can accomplish anything. Professor Fairman was a highly intellectual man. Alone in his cell, with nothing but time and madness, the Splatterman began to plan his escape. He started by crafting a new spellbook, etching the spells he knew from memory onto the walls of his cell. Then he began to manipulate the minds of the guards and even the colossally strong Lopper. After nearly a year, Farron put his plan into action. With the strength of Lopper and what little spells he had, he started a riot and quickly took control of Harrowstone's lower level. He freed the other prisoners and ambushed any who came near. They attacked Warden Hawkran, held him hostage, and began to torture him. The prison guards fought to take control of the situation. They lost more men as the riot grew and were forced to retreat to the higher level. They even disabled the lift and rained down crossbow bolts to anyone who dared approach the shaft. The riot was not a quick process. The standoff lasted hours and hours. The warden trapped, unable to escape, unable to go home, unable to show up for supper. So when he didn't show up for supper, the warden's wife, Vezariana, made her way to the prison. Learning that her husband had been held hostage below, she pushed past the guards and tried to lower the lift, hoping her actions would free him. Unbeknownst to all, the warden had already been tortured to death. But seeing that she was a liability, Two prison guards locked Fezeriana in the prison's workshop. Running out of ideas and getting desperate, the guards began to toss barrels of oil down the shaft. The goal was to light the oils on fire and force the prisoners back to their cell with a controlled burn. The plan went awry when the hungry flames burned out of control and the prison became engulfed. The remaining guards fled, abandoning the prison and abandoning Fezeriana. The fire consumed them all taking the lives of the dozens of guards, even more prisoners, the Splatterman, and even Vezeriana herself. The passage of time has this weird ability to take tragedies and turn them into jokes. Fifty years had passed since the Great Fire, the prison was now a set of burnt ruins that housed hundreds of rats. And the memories of the five worst killers? They'd become little more than songs sung by children as they skipped rope. Put her body on the bed, take a knife and lop her head, 
Watch the blood come out the pipe, feed the sturge so nice and ripe. Drops of red so sparkly bright, splatter spells her name just right. With the hammer killed his wife, now he wants to claim your life. Trixie father tells a lie, listen close or you will die. I don't think I'm alone when I say children terrify me. To the citizens of Ravengo, the Harrowstone ruins were empty, but this couldn't be further from the truth. Great evil has a habit of never fully vanishing. It always seems to linger. The five killers that died that day were now ghosts, trapped in the ruins by the lingering spirit of Warden Hawkran. The Warden's oath was absolute. If there was a job to be done, not even death would prevent him from seeing it through. All this changed, however, when the Whispering Way arrived in Ravengo. The world of Golarion is plagued by the Whispering Way, a cult of madness set on turning all life into an undead existence. They captured Hawkran's ghost and brought down the magical barrier that trapped the prisoners inside. The five killers tried to leave, something was still keeping them trapped inside. Yet despite this, the reach of their powers began to grow. Filled with glee and madness, the ghost of Professor Fairman set out to bring a new reign of terror with the return of the Splatter Man. He started first by controlling the rats of the ruins and sending them into a town, assaulting the nearby houses. Then he attacked the minds of Gibbs Hephaestus, an elderly ex-soldier, and used him as a puppet to paint letters on the wall. Every few nights, as Gibbs was asleep, the Splatter Man would take control of him and use him to paint a few more letters. First a V, then an E, and then an S. Weeks passed and more bloody letters appear, revealing the name of the Splatter Man's next target. Veziriana Hawkran. Many had died in that prison's fire 50 years ago, and the warden's wife was one of them. She was trapped in the workshop, slamming on the door to be free as the hungry flames consumed her. Burned alive, she was desperate to see her husband. She wasn't leaving without him, so much like her husband, she too became a ghost. But when the Whispering Way took her husband, Hoping to free the five deadly ghosts, they did not realize that Vezeriana was there as well. Using what little power she had, she kept her husband's barrier intact, knowing if she fell that all five of the horrors and the dozens of lesser ghosts that resided in there would be freed to wreak havoc. It would destroy what little honor was left in her husband's name. With no options left, the citizens of Ravengo did what most villages did in time of need. They sought out heroes. Racing against the ticking clock, these heroes fought through the ruins of the prison. They slayed any ghosts they came across, fell the four killers, and even stumbled across the cursed remains of Professor Ferriman's body and his spellbook. When the final battle against the Splatterman occurred, the ghost unleashed a torrent of deadly spells at the heroes. 
Ghostly missiles forged with arcane energy, hammered against the foes as he summoned even more undead to fight alongside of him. The Splatterman easily countered any spells from the heroes, locking down their magic in the process. In a bid of desperation, the heroes produced the cursed spellbook and watched as the Splatterman screeched. The ghostly wizard was desperate to be reunited with it after 50 plus years. Seeing the connection, the heroes began to rip pages from the book, discovering that with each page removed, the Splatterman lost the ability to cast that spell. With each page destroyed, the Splatterman's attacks became more desperate and dangerous. No longer was he holding anything back. He produced the most vile spells known and launched them at the party. The heroes struggled to stay up, knowing if they fell, so would Raven go. But as the last page of the spellbook was destroyed, the Splatterman became little more than a mundane ghost. He eventually fell, ending the threat against both Vezeriana and Ravenco. There is so much of this story that sends chills down my spine. Is the Splatter Man truly gone? As I have mentioned, evil tends to linger where it is most unwanted. Does his ghostly essence still reside in the runes, slowly regaining strength as it tries to rebuild itself? Did the succubi claim his corrupted soul and is now rebuilding him as some low-level fiend set to wreak havoc once more? And what of the lawman that initially arrested Fairman? They say a hunter must embrace the aspect of the target that they pursue and in a way become them. Did any of the Splatterman's corruption seep into him? Could the madness be laying dormant inside the lawman's mind, slowly chipping down the walls of his sanity? But the aspect of this story that frightens me the most is the parallels to my own life. Professor Heen Fairman found madness and corruption by studying the events of the past. I myself spend all my days studying the darkest parts of history. Is madness around the corner for me? If it is, can I prevent it? Or will I even see my own descent as it occurs? Will I too submit to the very darkness I choose to study? Will I- Ah! What was that? Uh, oh. oh. Hello there, who are you? Oh. Oh, I, I, I don't know how you got in here, little kitty, but uh, you look like you could use some milk. Um, so if you excuse me, adventurer, I need to tend to my um, surprised little guest here. Thank you, though, for joining me in my library. Join me again for more stories and lore about the darkest villains from the darkest realms. This has been the Dastardly Decimal System, and once again, I am your librarian, Caster Kane. The Dastardly Decimal System can be found on Twitter at DD System Podcast. That's Delta Delta System Podcast. This podcast was produced by Midnight Reading Audio, a division of Midnight Reading Publishing. The voice of Caster Kane is Larry Gent. Hi. The music was Land of the Dead by Kevin McLeod in Compatech.
It is licensed under the Creative Commons. All purring sound effects belong to my cat, Zid. All mewing sound effects belong to my cat, Vash. This is going to go straight to their heads. Thank you for joining us and have a wonderful, wonderful evening. Does this mean my cats get an IMDB page now? Hmm.